Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy, she, her. And I'm Lava, they, them. And it's our anniversary! Ah! Yay! Technically. Yeah, close enough. Close enough. enough. It's around here somewhere. Yeah. It's been kind of wild that we've done it, like, so many months in a row. We've watched so many movies, and by so many, I mean we've watched 11 movies. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Yeah, um, but so today we're going to take some time and not talk about a movie, but we're going to do a quick little bonus episode. Yes. Um, because you may have seen me tweet about it approximately a month ago. Or, no, not even a month ago. That would have been like a weekend, a week ago. Mm-hmm. Where I was talking about the Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe potentially being a thing. (laughs) There's just something so fundamentally shocking, I guess. It's a sucker punch, hearing the words Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. Like, what the heck? Uh, Yeah, let me see what the lineup was, because they had listed which ones they're going to do. Uh, gosh, how do I get there? Oh, I also, unrelated, I had found something called Hanna-Barbera's All-Star Comedy Ice Review. What? And apparently it was just like a a television special that only aired once and then was only released on VHS once. And I can't find it anywhere, but it involves a celebrity roast of Fred Flintstone. Oh my god. Oh my god. That would be easy. Hmm. That's amazing. Uh, okay. In 2016, it was announced that the reboot film Scooby was in the works and scheduled for release in September 2018, but was pushed back to 2020. It is intended to be the first installment of a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. In October 2018, it was announced that the new film is now set to be released in the first quarter of 2020. Another film part of the cinematic universe will be based on the Jetsons. Jetsons. I said that weird. Jetsons. <laughs> I yes, the Jetsons. With Conrad Vernon set to direct, etc., etc., etc. Wild. So yeah, we're just going to talk about what we would do if mm. we were going to do this. <laughs> the Hanna-Barbera Cinematic Universe. The Hanna-Barbera Cinematic Universe. Well, hopefully it'll be as epic-looking as the new Dora Explorer movie. God, I thought I wasn't sure if that was real at first, but I'm glad it is. (laughs) It is, and I thought it was a lie. Uh, Okay. So yeah, I think the best place to start would definitely be with the Scooby film, because there's nothing we can change about that. And then I would maybe... I guess if Jetsons is next on the slate, I don't... Captain, it appears we have lost the signal. The source has entered some sort of shift field. Try to compensate for the reality distortion. Right away, Captain. It, it seems like something's coming through.
Welcome to No Respect, a Jabberjaw recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal Cassidy, she, her. I'm Lava, they, them. And we decided to start a podcast. <laughs> it was a little co- concerning, thinking about, oh gosh, all of the episodes. But, but yeah, then, we we decided, might as well. Yeah, I mean, Jabberjaw does have like four seasons, but I think we can get through it. Yeah. Shouldn't take very long. Not if we're doing one every week, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll just I'll just edit the episodes uh, after we finish our weekly Digimon role playing game that we do. That's not recorded. <laughs> but I think in order to break the ice and maybe get into the flow of recording, maybe we should answer some questions first. And because this podcast hasn't gone live or anything yet. We're not going to have any audience questions, and even if it did go live, we'd probably maybe only get two followers, if that, so. Mm. Luckily, I have some questions prepared for you. Okay. What member of the Neptunes do you relate to the most? Um. Hmm. Maybe Shelly? Shelly is very no-nonsense. Hmm. I like Clamhead. He's very go with the flow, um, mm-hmm. and still seems to have a handle on most situations. Yeah, I will say though, Bubbles does have the purple outfit mm, in like yeah. most cases, so I am entirely on onto that. I have nothing to say about Biff. Biff, Biff is nothing. Biff is Biff. His name is Biff. Yeah, like there's a reason why. Uh, that character from, uh, oh my gosh. Back to the Future, the that film one. franchise that Disney bought and then is now making a new trilogy of? Yeah, that one. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why they're having him come back as the main uh, antagonist, because he's just that guy, you know? Yeah, I guess Jabberjaw Biff is like, what if that guy wasn't awful? Yeah, very true. Uh, so what's your favorite flavor of milkshake? Oh, man. I think maybe it would be Oreo. Mm. So I like that cookies and cream. Yeah, I I, I like a good mint and chocolate chip, so I get where you're coming oh. from. Oh, now see, now you say that, and I have to go with the mint chocolate chip, because mint chocolate chip's my favorite ice cream. Mmm. So having it be a milkshake is like... It's basically just ice cream, but more liquidy. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite milk chocolate, mint chocolate chip milkshakes I've had, actually, I think it used dark chocolate. And oh it was my like gosh. chunks. It was so good. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, and finally, what are your favorite burger toppings? Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's not finally, but what are your favorite burger toppings? <laughs> <laughs> um,. Can I say what my non-favorite are? Sure. I, I'm pretty fine with all. I do not like onions mm. on my burgers. Uh, like, there are certain uh, fast food places that have those little shredded onion bits, and I hate them. Hate them. Because the I can't take them off. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take them off. Unless I scrape off all my ketchup and mm. ugh, mustard, if it, I forget to, to take that one off, too. Um, but yeah. 
Uh, and finally, uh, in the event of cursing, because I do want to put this up as a non-explicit podcast, mm-hmm. uh, what member of the Neptunes would you like me to bleep you out with? Hmm. Uh, hmm. Probably Jabberjaw. Uh, get a good No, I was thinking no respect. Ah, okay. No respect. No respect at all. Kind of thing. Which fits, considering what it's being used for. Yeah, fair. I'm gonna go with uh, Clamhead and his classic wowie wow wow wow. Nice. Because I also use that in just day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Alright, that's all of our questions. What was your um, favorite topping? Oh, yeah, Did I didn't say that? that, huh? No, um... Generally, I like, like, a rich cheese, but only sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I like just having like, a greasy, nasty burger. Sometimes I like having a rich cheese. Maybe, like, a roasted red pepper mm. with the rich cheese. But at that I point, like, uh, I I could just eat like an eggplant sandwich yeah. instead of a burger. <laughs> uh, but so it's now it's time to get into the actual show. If in case for some reason you're listening to this show and you haven't heard of the multi generational classic that is Jabberjaw, now I think they just started a new series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I isn't. I haven't looked at any of the designs, but I heard that Jabberjaw was going to have robot legs. Yeah, uh, because they're putting it in sort of a more modern take, which means they can't be fully underwater. Right. Mm. Sometimes I think that they're just doing a, uh amalgamation of the Jetsons and Jabberjaw, which I don't know how to feel about, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, um... I've heard rumors that this new series, Stay Fresh Jabberjaw, is going to be premiering on their online service, but it's unconclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in case you didn't know, let me just run down the basics. Jabberjaw is a 15-foot air-breathing great white shark, and he's the drummer for the Neptunes, a rock group made of four teenagers, Biff, Shelley, Bubbles, and Clamhead, who live in an underwater civilization in, set in the year 2076. Which is, hold on, let me do the math on that. 58 years from now. Uh, oh, where'd my notes go? Here they are. Uh, Jabberjaw and the Neptunes travel to various underwater cities where they encounter and deal with assorted megalomaniacs and supervillains who want to conquer, conquer the undersea world. Around the 70s, when this film, or when the series first came out, it also inspired a bunch of other Hanna-Barbera cartoons to do mystery solving teens and animals like mm-hmm. speed buggy the pussy josie and the pussycats and <sighs> scooby-doo Ugh. uh i think there are some crossovers which we will have to do because we've dedicated ourselves to doing all of the jabberjaw episodes so i'm sorry cassidy yeah i mean We'll just see where we how we feel after the first series, because like I said, that is four seasons. Yeah. Alright, um, but yeah, here's the rundown and the voice actors for the Neptunes themselves. We have Jabberjaw, voiced by Frank Welker, like I said, air-breathing shark, anthropomorphic, uh, voice and mannerisms are similar to Curly of the Four Stooges, 
Jabberjaw yep, found yep, it yep. hard to get respect in a society where shark ejectors, robots that would guard various buildings or cities up against sharks being allowed to enter, were commonplace. These robots, as well as unpleasant treatment from others, frequently prompt him to under some variation of his catchphrase, borrowed from the comedian Rodney Dangerfield, rest in peace. I get no respect. He has the unique ability to change his shape or adapt himself to act like various objects, such as a trampoline, parachute, jack, throw rug, etc., either to get himself in the gang out of a jam or just to hide. Uh, first member uh, that's not a shark of the Neptunes is Biff, as we've mentioned, is sort of Biff. Uh, he's voiced by Tommy Cook. Biff is an athletic, handsome, brown-haired young man, keep that in mind, who is the band's guitar player and level-headed leader who books all of the gigs. In many episodes, his hair is drawn black. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why they decided to say brown-haired when many episodes it's not. There is literally a scene in this first episode where Shelly, who has uh, also black hair, and Biff are like uh, layered on top of each other from wh- what we can see. They have the exact same shade of hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, his main catchphrase is jumping jellyfish. That's a good standard one. I think they use that in Spongebob, but I think... I don't know. It's hard to remember what whether or not they use it in Spongebob, seeing how that only went for one season. Shelly, voiced by Pat Paris. Shelly is a dark-haired young woman who plays tambourine for the Neptunes. I don't know why they only said dark-haired here, but they committed to brown-haired for Biff. I don't know. Uh, she is attractive and intelligent, but haughty, vain, and abrasive. Like Josie and the Pussycats Alexandra, but really it should be the other way around, seeing how this one came first. But I guess if you need a touchstone, there you go. Um, and considers herself to be the star of the band. While she holds a great deal of disdain for Jabberjaw, or Blubberhead as she calls him, she does have some grudging fondness for him deep down and occasionally shows it. Uh, Bubbles, voiced by Julie McWhorter. Bubbles is a young woman with blonde, curly hair who plays keyboard for the Neptunes. She is extremely ditzy and dim-witted, has a cute giggle, and sometimes nicknamed, er, is sometimes nicknamed by Shelly, Dingling, or Bubblehead. Bubblehead, I think, could be fine. Yeah. Uh, whenever she volunteers to help, she usually ends up messing it up. Uh, so we have Clamhead, voiced by Barry Gordon. Clamhead is a young man who plays bass for the Neptunes. His catchphrases are Abba 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 and Wowie Wow Wow Wow, or some variation commonly repeating the word Zowie, like Zowie Wow Wow Wow. Uh, whenever he gets excited, uh, Clamhead is Jabberjaw's best friend, and also his hair is orange. They did not mention that in the Wikipedia, but I think if they're mentioning everyone else's hair color, mm. might as well. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the actual show itself. All right, so we're starting with the first episode of Jabberjaw ever released. This aired on September 11th, 1976, and it went on to do so, so much more. Uh, But yeah, we start with the opening theme song of Jabber, 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 And then we see some... What look like supervillains, but we learn they're just supervillain goons in a submarine uh. as they drive into a secret rock tunnel. Um, and 
they enter their secret underwater base and they start talking, but I'm going to be honest, this sort of aged poorly because it's like a stereotypical accent, but I'm not sure what kind of accent it's supposed to be. And it's kind of hard to understand and almost everyone has it. Right. Um, except for the main characters. Um, but essentially they're like, the mayor of Aquahama has responded, responded to Dr. Lowe, who is their boss. This demands. So Dr. Lowe's like, hand me the message disc. And stuffs it in a slot on his desk. And essentially the mayor says, we refuse to give in to your demands. But I will send you this on a, cel- a CD so that way you know that I'm specifically telling you that we will not be giving in to your demands. <laughs> However, Dr. Lowe has a plan. So he takes out a box and inside is a... Tiny Gorgon. I just... Why? <laughs> it's a little lizard. Why? It's like a tiny Godzilla. But then he takes the box and then blasts it with a laser beam. And now this laser beam doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Or what he... He has two laser beams. (laughs) (laughs) One to teleport it to a cage outside. And then the other one is a magna ray. Which makes it into a big gorgon like the size of a Godzilla. Maybe a bit Mm -hmm. smaller. Uh, Meanwhile, we do see the Neptunes. And they're driving along in their aqua car. And Shelly says, oh, it's too small. Because we see Jabberjaw is like squished into the entire upper hemisphere of the dome that makes up the passenger area. Yeah, this is the kind of joke that happens in like every episode or something. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Because Jabberjaw is 15 feet tall. He's a big shark. Big shark. Big boy. Uh, luckily, Shelley shouldn't have to deal with it too much longer because Biff says they'll be at Aquahama soon. And then Clamhead just says that they're the best land, best band in the land. For almost no reason. You know, that's a weird line, too, because they're not on land. Yeah, they're, in the ocean. they're pretty specifically underwater. Yeah. Uh, now, if it had been on Earth, that would have made more sense. Mm, does this take place on Earth? They call it Earth, I think. Okay. I wasn't paying that much attention to the specifics of the the dialogue. I just know that they are called the Neptunes. Maybe mm-hmm. they're on Neptune. Maybe. They might not call it Earth on, in this episode. It might be later on. Mm. Uh, but anyways, so the Gorgon was attacking the city, like Dr. Lowe told it to. And we see some little tiny ships shooting at it. And someone says, even the immobilizer rays are ineffective against Dr. Lowe's monster. Oh, God. Uh, but the Neptunes <laughs> see it, and they're just like, oh, look, fireworks. <laughs> oh, gosh. So uh, Shelly... Shelley... Yeah, go ahead. You take this Shelley, one. Shelly pulls out a device that does her makeup. Yeah, it's got, and... like, a bunch of buttons on it. One for eyeshadow, one for lipstick, yeah. and then eventually just a powder button. Yeah, which causes Jabberjaw to sneeze. Yeah, because and... Jabberjaw has hay fever, apparently. Yeah. Apparently. And the sneeze is enough to launch him out of the car and into the Gorgon. Yeah. Uh, but 
Immediately, Jabber's like, okay, I'm just going to bite it. Which does nothing, and then he keeps sneezing, and eventually slams himself out into a cliff, which causes a rock avalanche, and then the falling rocks scare the Gorgon. You know, that's an interesting... Uh, I just had a thought. So, a creature that is usually small, it would think to itself, oh no, I need to run, I'm going to be crushed. Because it would see, when it was regular, regular sized... That it would actually crush it. Were these... I can't remember if these were large enough boulders to crush it. Um, they were bigger than Jabber's, y'all, I would say. And there was enough of them that I think it would eventually bury it. Right, okay. Um, basically, Clamhead sees it and like, oh, that makes Jabber a hero. So Jabber sees a little crab and is like, oh, would you like to shake hands with a hero? And then the crab throws him. <laughs> no respect no respect at all uh we cut to dr low being mad it's like ah oh, no that dang shark beat the gorgon and then jabber is at a news conference at city hall in aquahama and hams it up about beating the gorgon saying that i give it a this and a that and a that and one of these <sighs> but dr low dr low believes it and requests an assassination on Jabberjaw. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so the Neptunes get to their hotel because they have a gig in an hour. Uh, Jabberjaw gets in the shower? Yeah, why, like, he, why he need a shower? Why? He was just in the water. You're he in the ocean. Whatever. Uh, but while he's in the shower, the goons from earlier show up and dissolve the ceiling with a ray gun <laughs> and then tie Jabberjaw up, which causes a bunch <sighs> of racket. So, <laughs> Clamhead is like, or Biff asks Clamhead, does Jabberjaw always make this much noise? To which Clamhead replies, only when he tries to wash his own back. Oh my god. So he goes up to the door with like an extendable scrubbing rod. And there's like a mail slot on the wall that opens up so he can put the stick through and scrub Jabberjaw's back. But that gets lathered soap everywhere, spoiling the plans of the goons. And they accidentally hit like a water filling button that fills the entire bathroom with water and then the door opens Jabberjaw gets washed out of the bathroom <sighs> and then the entire band groups up so Jabberjaw can say what happened and the entire time he's just acting out everything he's saying on Shelly <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Shelly has a reason to not like Jabberjaw most of the time yeah uh, the group decides they're gonna leave the hotel and call the police reasonable decisions Yes, but Bubbles somehow calls Dr. Lowe's goons instead. Yeah, she's like, ah, I need... Basically, she kept mixing up which names she was saying. She was like, ah, this is the police calling for Bubbles. I mean, this is Bubbles. I need to talk to the police because Dr. Lowe's goons. And then eventually the uh, uh, operator on the other end is just like, what? Who? And she just keeps saying Dr. Lowe. So she dials them, dials her over to Dr. Lowe. So Dr. Lowe's goons hear what's going on. 
and yep. hears that they're going to be leaving and going to where they're going and all of that stuff, so they know where to go. So the Neptunes get in the car to head to the gig, and on the way, they practice their instruments by playing an entire song in the car. Like you do. Yeah. Uh, and then Dr. Loon's, Dr. Lowe's goons do a drive-by with a tractor beam <laughs> and okay. take Biff and Bubbles. Oh, yeah, yay. And when they get back to base, Dr. Lowe's like, where's the shark? And Bubbles is like, I'm not going to talk to you. My parents said, don't talk to strangers. <laughs> and then Biff says, I am a friend of Jabberjaw. Your days are numbered. <laughs> <laughs> what? The dialogue in this show is pretty good. It is. Um, so in order to find Biff and Bubbles, Jabberjaw is apparently Bloodhound sniffs his way all the way to Dr. Lowe's hideout. And then when they get to the secret tunnel, Clamhead spins Jabberjaw up so that way they can use him as a drill to get through the secret mountain passage. <laughs> and then they all sneak in. And we see Biff and Bubbles in... Like, just a room with, like, a glass door in front of it. And there's, like, a panel on the side, so obviously it's locked somehow. Mm-hmm. To which Biff says... <laughs> Go on. Look, it's Jabber. We're either going to be freed or killed. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so curious. Where did they find this giant white shark? I'm guessing Clamhead found him. And yeah, because it did. It did sound like Biff didn't know him as long. Yeah, and it's... like this isn't really brought up much in the first season of the show, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that Jabberjaw was basically the society of this aquatic future is racist against sharks and maybe other sea creatures as well, or just non-humans. Because it mentions shark ejectors, which are robots that guard buildings and stuff. Maybe it's just like an underground movement or something Mm -hmm. that was started by Clamhead. I don't know. Yeah. It's a lot of speculation on my part, and I haven't Despite loving some of the movies that came out later, I haven't watched a whole lot of the original series. Right. Let me scroll down to my notes here. Uh-huh. So Jabberjaw is like, okay, let's get him out of this room. So he just plows through the glass door. I'm kind of surprised he didn't, like, turn himself into a glass cutter. No, he just and... charges through it. Yeah. And it gets, like, the door breaks but only in such a way that he basically has the door around his waist as like a tutu mm-hmm. and he can't get out because it's stuck around him in like an angle where he has to take it off before he can get out and but once they get it off then an alarm goes off i don't understand it's it's so weird yeah uh so they have to go run and hide and while the rest of the band hides in a chandelier uh, Jabber jumps into a fish bowl, but the goldfish inside kicks him out. 
no respect. It is a regular fish bowl, by the way. Like, those classic bowl, like an actual bowl kind of thing. Yeah. It's that size. Yeah, and there's not even, like, any decorations. It's just the glass bowl, just a small goldfish. And he gets disrespected, even by this tiny little goldfish. So instead, he goes and hides as a rug. Yeah, he does that shape-shifting stuff we were talking about before, and just flattens against the ground. But once the guards pass, they huddle up, and Jabber has a plan. Shelly, oh my god. Shelly says, it's dumb. So loud, it alerts the guards. Yeah, it's the dumbest plan she's ever heard. So they have to hide again. And they hide under Dr. Lowe's desk. (laughs) And here we hear Dr. Lowe's plan, which is to make like a hundred more Gorgons or so. (laughs) And then once everybody leaves, the gang gets out and they reverse the ray and shrink the Gorgon. And Jabberjaw goes out to get him. But then... Dr. Lowe is back before they can destroy the ray and knocks them aside so he can grow the Gorgon again to back to the big size it was while Jabberjaw is out there trying to hold it up, which causes the big Gorgon to be back. And then the chase scene happens between like the Gorgon chasing Jabberjaw and then Dr. Lowe and his minions chasing the rest of the band. And throughout it, Jabberjaw gets hit by the laser once or twice, so he gets to be really big, like bigger than the Gorgon, and then back to regular size. And then at the end of it, the, so at the end of it, at the end of a hallway, the band like knocks out some goons in a side room and come out wearing the goon outfits. <laughs> but then nothing ever happens with this again. The next time we see them, they're back in their regular clothes. Yeah, it, I... Ugh. Uh, meanwhile, but anyways, Jabber manages to lure, lure the Gorgon inside the secret base, even though it's definitely way too big to fit in there, <laughs> uh, and shrinks it again, and then him and the band rig the ray to backfire. Not just destroy it, they set it up so that way it'll be, it will backfire the next time he tries to use it. So when oh Dr. Lowe tries to regrow the Gorgon, still inside the building, this is a bad idea. Uh, the ray explodes and shrinks Dr. Lowe. So they put him in a box. They just put him in a box and the city just, we cut and the city gives Jabber a medal. And I'm like, For extreme bravery. What happened? What happened to Dr. Lowe? He's in a cigar box now. In a box for the rest of his life? Yeah. Uh, we get that. We get a scene where Shelly's like, "Okay, I guess I'll kind of admit you did a good job," and then Jabberjaw takes it too far, and that's the episode. Yep. Um. So, this is where we would rank it, but this is the first episode, so I will say that it is both the best and worst episode of Jabberjaw we have seen so far. Yep. Um. Join us next week when we watch. There's no place like outer space. Oh, uh, yeah. So until next... Oh, actually, hold on. Do we have any other things we want to say about this episode? Uh, not really. It seemed like a decent enough introduction of the characters, but it's hard to say for sure. Yeah, I would like to see some more of this backstory that apparently is in place here, but... Yeah. All right. But yeah, so until next time... No respect. No respect at all.
That's, I think, would solve everything that needs to be for the Barbaros and the Universe. Yep. And we've gone I think it's a good thought for everyone. Um, I'm actually very particularly proud of how we fit the very hound in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this was this was our anniversary. It's kind of a little special episode for you all. Yeah. So, you can find me personally on Twitter at MadLobotanist, that's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-I-N-I-S-T, where I will continue tweeting about random stuff that could happen in a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. You can find me at, on Twitter at LavaBees, L-A-V-A-B-E-E-S. Uh, and you can find the show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog. And that's where you would tweet at us any questions for our, our next episode, which we won't have recorded by the time this goes up. So if you have any questions, I think I'll go ahead and announce it. Any questions at all, but also any questions particularly re- pertaining to the Sco- first Scooby-Doo live-action film. That's what we're going to be doing on our anniversary month. So yeah, any questions about that, send it to us at Kids and Their Dog. Um, you can also get in touch with us there, like in our DMs, if you want to be on the show, if you want to be a guest on the program. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an archives website at kids, or which would be kidsandtheirdog.wordpress.com. It's just sort of an archival process right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's basically everything. Yep. Give us a rating and review if you like. I haven't said that before, but maybe I should say it now. It helps. We mm-hmm. technically still have a giveaway going, because I think we're still only at three reviews. Yeah. We still needed two. Yeah, I'll just double check, but I'm pretty sure we only need two reviews left, and then we can find out who gets that set of four Scooby-Doo DVDs. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's everything. So, until next time, they would have gotten away with it, too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. Scooby-Doo!